0: you know if you've ever uh, thought about what it would have been like to actually be around when jesus was born have you ever thought of that to like be there kind of ground zero have has anyone ever thought about what that's like Twink, twinkies twinkies like yeah anyone else no you have you have like how would you have responded Personally, when I think about it, I'm like, oh, I I hope I would have recognized Jesus as Jesus, but I think it would have just been so amazing. Like, what if you were one of the shepherds? What if you were one of the wise men that traveled? What if you were, uh, well, Mary? Obviously, I couldn't be Mary. Uh, Maybe 2020, I could be. But anyway, that's another topic for another day, another sermon. But what would it have been like to be there when these things were happening? And so we're about to start our Christmas series today. And the title of that series is, I Wasn't Expecting That. And we are looking at the birth of Jesus Through the eyes and the perspective of other characters in the story. And so today I'm going to kick off by talking about the birth of Jesus through the eyes of King Herod. And so uh, I want to uh, invite you to open up your Bibles, whether you have a physical Bible or online. Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2 and verse 1. And this part's on the screen here. It looks like it's a, little, it's a little cut off, but that's all right. We're an enterprising bunch. We're not put off. We can just move the projector across. So Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. And it says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem during the time of King Herod, Mad, Magi, 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 wise people from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. So, very quickly and very early in this story, Matthew sets up the idea of two kings. He says there's a king called King Herod. And there's another person, Jesus, who was born king. I'm going to continue to read the rest of this passage. And you can listen along or follow along. We're reading all the way to verse 18. And then I'm going to talk a little bit about King Herod and his kingdom. Then Herod and the Magi, 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 I'm going to struggle for that one. The rest of the secretly found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, "Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him." After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen. Uh, When it rose ahead of them until it stopped over the place the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed on coming to the house. They saw the child with his mother Mary and bowed down and worshipped him. They opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Herod, King Herod, some of you may have read about him or heard about him, some of you may not know a lot about King Herod, but uh, contemporary historians have called him the evil genius of the Judean nation. They said he was one who was prepared to commit any crime in order to gratify his unbounded ambition they also said perhaps he's the only figure in ancient jewish history who has been loathed equally by both christian and jewish historians he had great success in building projects he rebuilt the temple the second temple. He had great success throughout the land in organisation and governance, developed um, powerful alliances with uh, the different Roman governments as part of the Roman Empire. He built palaces for himself all throughout the land for his pleasure. But Herod was obsessed with keeping power and with self-preservation, so historians believe that he had his own secret police. So when it says in the first part of that story that he actually he heard in Jerusalem about what was happening, he, he had spies. And anytime he sensed an uprising, he would uh, kill the person or stop the protest or imprison them. So he would take action. He is said to have His own personal bodyguard of about two thousand soldiers, some of which were from Germany and other parts of the land, some of the best fighters, most experienced fighters, and he used that uh, power to control people. He suffered depression and paranoia, even in within his closest family relationships. So he executed his wife his mother-in-law, and three of his sons. There's a, uh, a uh, historian, uh, a Roman historian, uh, called uh, Macrobius, and he has talked about, uh, commented on the part where Herod organized for all the two-year-old children to be killed, and he had a child that was under two in that time, and he is reported to have killed his own child at that time. So such was his paranoia, such was his obsession with keeping power, that there could be another king, that when he wiped out all the kids under two, he also wiped out and killed his own son. You know, this is very shocking, particularly with us with small, wonderful babies that we're celebrating, the fact that someone would choose, based on fear and paranoia, to end the life of a baby because of their obsession with keeping power. It's shocking. And it's reported that the Emperor Augustus remarked, it's better to be Herod's pig than his son. What did he mean by that? Herod, as a Jew he kept religious observance to Jewish law, which meant that he couldn't eat pork. So he was very strict on not eating pork, but at the same time, he would kill his own son. So you get this picture of this guy that was an evil, wicked tyrant. Now, he loved his wife, but he couldn't bear the thought of him living without his wife living and he was very paranoid and so he executed his own wife that he loved but it drove him crazy and it's reported he would call out during the night after he had killed his wife to his to his wife and she wasn't there his sons resented what he had done and they began to imitate his behaviors in terms of the way that they manipulated they resented him they manipulated him And they tried to do what he had done and seek power and uh, go after their own ambitions. Who's getting a little bit of a picture of Herod here? He's not a good guy. Final thing. He was hated so much that on the day of his funeral, he thought people are going to rejoice not mourn on the day of my funeral. So what he planned was a mass execution of people in the city so that on the day of his funeral, people would be mourning, even if they weren't mourning his death. So psychopath, sociopath, evil, evil guy. This is the situation and the circumstance that Jesus was born into. And here's a couple of things that characterize his reign: the idea of fragile power, two-faced posturing. He was always he was playing a, a, a religious game, presenting himself as a as a Jew, someone who followed the Jewish law. At the time, he was involved in pagan rituals, pagan worship. He was appealing to the Romans for power, but also he was. Um, trying to control the jews and appeal to the jews he was he had manipulative success it was all about control for him his pleasures were complicated and he had volatile relationships he couldn't truly love he couldn't bear for his wife to live without him as i said and he killed her and he killed some of his own children anyone that he saw as a threat. He executed them. And so, for Jesus, we're we're talking about Herod. Jesus through the eyes of Herod. And so, when Jesus is announced as to be born, Herod sees him as a threat. It's very logical if you understand Herod's history. If you understand all the things and the way that Herod occupied. Uh, The way that Herod um, did his life and the way that he protected his power, it's incredibly logical that he saw Jesus as a threat. And Herod couldn't understand that there would be a different way to be a king and he couldn't understand that there would be a different way to rule the kingdom. I love how John puts this in terms of the two kingdoms and the two kings in John 1, verse 5. He says this The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Herod's perspective of Jesus being born, this new king, he couldn't understand it. He couldn't comprehend it. He just saw the limited information that he had. And saw Jesus as a threat. And so for in the first passage, verse number 1, Matthew proposes a choice. A choice between two kings. And I think it's a pretty easy choice now that we know a little bit more about Herod. Matthew says, do you want a madman or do you want a Messiah? Do you want someone... Who would easily and willingly kill young babies? Or do you want someone who welcomes children into their arms? Do you want someone who would do anything and kill anybody to protect his throne? Or do you want someone that would willingly lay down their life for others? This is the contrast that Matthew gives. Do you want a tyrant who would rule with violence or a shepherd who would lay down his life for his people? This is what was prophesied about Jesus in Matthew 2, verse 5. It says, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people. Israel this is what was prophesied this ruler wouldn't be a tyrant this ruler would be a shepherd a shepherd king who led with the person's best interests in mind with the the interests of the people who would love them who would care for them not who would suppress them here's what Jesus said about himself at the end of his life and it's recorded in john chapter 18 verse 33 when he's about to be killed and crucified with pontius pilate it says pilate went then went into the palace and summoned jesus and asked him are you the king of the jews and jesus says is that your own idea or did others talk to you about me Am I a Jew? Pilate replied. Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it that you have done? And here's what Jesus said. My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you say I'm a king. In fact, the very reason I was born... And came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Herod was right, and Herod's response was logical. And the truth is, there can only ever be one king. There can only ever be one king. The question is, is Jesus who he said he was? I think that's a question that a lot of people, even sometimes in church, don't think about a lot. Is Jesus who he said he was? I was reading, uh, going over my notes uh, very early this morning, and my uh, middle boy Joe came into the room, and he kind of like, as they do, they just kind of come and like whatever you're doing. They crowd you and and look in over into your space. And so he looks at this and he's he sees this. This is highlighted. And he says he says to me, "Who who's who's going to say this, Dad?" I said, "I, I I'm I'm going to say this. This is how I prepare to preach, and these are my notes." And he goes, "Ah, oh, that's easy. I know the answer to that question. Is Jesus." who he said he was he says that's easy jesus is the son of god and that's what he said and that is something that we need to be reminding ourselves of and asking ourselves is jesus who he said he was is jesus the son of god is jesus a king is jesus our king because if i can resolve those, those questions the rest of life becomes a lot easier because Herod he was like no I'm king I don't want another king but do you know what there's a little bit of Herod in all of us we want to be king and queen or queen of our own lives who here loves somebody telling them what to do Just like, please, please tell me what to do. Maybe you're married, you want your wife or your husband or your partner to be like, please tell me what to do. You know, you, you go to work, you want your boss to like, hey, good morning. What do you want me to do? What difficult thing do you want me to change? We don't like people telling us what to do. We can't imagine a different way of doing our life. Jesus when he comes, Jesus offers a new way of living. He offers a new way to be successful. He redefines success. He redefines peace. He redefines leadership. He says leadership is not about you being at the top. Leadership is about you being at the bottom. This is servant leadership. And he's got this countercultural way of speaking to us, of inviting us into his kingdom and of saying, hey, you you don't have the power to do this yourself. Let me help you. Let me give you the resources that you don't have. But who knows, we resist that and our world is set up in a different way. Now, prior to um, coming into full-time ministry, I was in uh, corporate for about 10 years and so I worked Um, with some of the biggest companies in the world in sydney and in uh, which were american companies and a lot of corporate america can operate a little more like herod and a little less like jesus who who knows that you've been in situations or or workplaces or environments where you know if i'm going to get ahead i've got to manipulate i've got to Uh, do certain things maybe things that I'm uncomfortable with I've got to maybe bend the rules I was in sales and I remember a conversation I've told this story before I won't tell the whole story where I was passed up for a promotion because I wouldn't uh, go out and get drunk with my clients and take them to the strip clubs that was like not that long ago big company lots of policies and that was the reason that was given to me at an interview that's the system of the world it says if you want to get ahead here's what you've got to do this is how you you got to protect you got to be ambitious you got to maybe step on some heads you've got to break some necks and write some checks something like that but jesus says no i've got a different way of operating. I've got a different way of moving through life. But there's something within us and something within the culture that we live at that resists that because we want to be king. For some of you, you want to be queen. We want to be the rulers of our own life. And sometimes we are threatened. Jesus invites us to take another step with him, to trust him in another area of our life. And we go, no, Jesus, I I don't want to do that. I can't trust you. I can't trust you with my time. I can't trust you with my finances. I can't trust you with my energy. I can't trust you to live a life of rest. And this is what Jesus invites us into. There is another choice. And it's found in verse 11. And these are the people that saw the signs and came to worship Jesus, the the wise men. And it says in verse 11, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense. And my. I'm gonna invite just Zek to come up on the guitar. Jesus said, I've come for truth. I've come to let you know the truth. What is the truth of Jesus? The truth of Jesus is this He is the Son of God. The truth of Jesus is this is that He invites us, He doesn't force Himself but he invites us to allow him to take first place in his life so truth and trust can you accept the truth of who jesus is and can you trust him in every area of your life this is the foundation of what it means to be a jesus follower truth and trust These group of men, they chose to worship him and they chose to bring him what was most valuable to them. My question to you today is, what is most valuable to you? And can you trust God with it? We've got these wonderful new families here with... Two newborn babies. It's an invitation to say, Can you trust? Can God be trusted with your family? If you were to listen to God, if you were to walk in the ways of God, would that benefit you? Would that enliven? Would that enrich in your family? I believe that it would. In your workplace, in the decisions that you have, are you choosing to operate in a way that honors Jesus, the way you conduct yourself with integrity? If you did that, would God bless you? Would God prosper your business? This is what it means. We are called to lay our whole lives down to Jesus. The perspective of this world, sometimes our internal expect- perspective is no, this is a threat. If I allow this new king, Jesus, he's going to destroy everything that I've worked for. But Jesus says, no, I'll give you true life, true fulfillment, and true love. There's one final thing that I want to say, and then we're going to worship together as we finish. Jesus said, I've come to be a shepherd king. But the invitation, yes, it's to accept Jesus as shepherd king. But I believe the invitation for us as a church and as we go into 2021 is for each of us to carry the shepherd's heart. For each of us to say, I'm going to live my life that's not about me, but I'm going to live my life to reach others and to include them in what's going on here. And I'm going to invite you to respond to that in a minute because this is how we will fulfill our mission and purpose as a church is if we carry the shepherd heart of Jesus. If we carry that deep love that goes out of our way to invite people in. Why don't you stand? We're going to sing just this chorus, Goodness of God. And I just want you to take the opportunity. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you just to trust Him. Maybe there's an area, maybe it's your business, maybe it's your family, things beyond your control. Maybe you've made some mistakes. You don't know what to do for your future. We're going to sing this. We're going to allow the goodness of God and we're going to worship together. We're going to do what these people did. We're going to say, God, we accept you as who you are. And so as you worship, please feel free to lift your hands, to worship with your whole body, with your whole being, to let the joy of God within you to come onto your faces. And let's sing.
1: All my life you have been faithful goodness is running after
0: it's running after me just want to just while everyone's eyes are closed I want to just give a couple of invitations the first invitation is the invitation of truth and trust the invitation to say Jesus you are God and I can trust in you And if that's you, you need to, uh, you feel like you want to make that first step. Can you just put up your hand wherever you are? And I'll pray for you. Yeah, thank you for that hand. Anyone else? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, we thank you for that revelation of your truth not just a man not just a moral teacher but the son of god and so we choose to trust thank you for those that have responded to this invitation to trust you and to accept your truth we thank you for that in jesus name in jesus name i want to invite us as a church just to make a response to this invitation as we prepare our hearts for 2021 to say god i want to carry the shepherd heart of jesus i want a heart that's filled with love that goes out of its way to help those around me if that's you and you want to respond just respond by putting your hand up thank you thank you all across all across thank you god Thank you, Lord. Lord, as a church, we want to carry your heart. We want to carry your heart. Lord, there are so many things going on in our lives, but we choose to follow you. We choose to imitate you. Really quick last thing. Uh, Part of our church family, Carmel, um, just contacted me this morning. She's unfortunately unwell today. And she had uh, just a word that God wanted to heal some people and people with some issues, um, things that they need the touch of God. And she said she wanted people to know that God is with them. At this time of Christmas, we remember that God is Emmanuel with us. And uh, she's just got a couple of things here. People um, with mental health or anxiety issues, if that's you, God is offering an invitation to touch you if that's you just respond in your heart and say yes Uh, people who have issues with their eyesight that there would be a clarity of eyesight Uh, anyone here that has an issue with their knees God's power is here to hear that she also said there may be some people who have given up they've lost their fight so Lord we just uh, commit all of these needs to you and we thank you that you are healer and we pray for your presence in the name of Jesus amen amen I'm just going to ask Zek to play for about five more minutes so wonderful to see you make sure you say good day to somebody uh, there's food and drinks going to come in also on this side if you need prayer for anything um, people are going to be available to pray just for a couple of minutes so please come and do that wonderful to see you and we'll see you next week